1: and relax. This is tofup I'm Charlie Clausen. I'm Will Anderson. Again, you like that's two weeks in a row now where you've essentially gone, I'm Charlie Clausen. Uh, yeah, because
0: I don't know if I am, because the reason I'm questioning is are, if you do a
1: podcast, Will, a, a live stream and no one's watching, are you actually doing a podcast? Well, we never know if anyone's going to listen to the podcast when we record it. No one else is listening. Sometimes Gemma walks in and out or something. But in general, no one else is listening to it when we record it. So we put it out into the internet. And I've never actually checked the figures. There may be nobody listening to the podcast. I'm only getting anecdotal feedback people hitting us up on the Facebook page or responding to things that we've talked about on the podcast makes me indicate that people are listening to the podcast. But Mike Howell might have set up a series of bots that are just responding to keywords from the podcast and then automatically generating tweets to send in my account that makes me think that I'm recording a podcast that people listen to. But I'm actually in an insane asylum and have been for six years and you are a figment of my imagination. And Mike Howe is my friendly nurse who I've turned into a robot.
0: Or it could be like the plot of a heartwarming indie about two nerds who think they're doing this podcast that's going out to thousands of people, but actually their friend has just or- orchestrated this illusion to make them feel like they're doing it to an audience. And then in the third, the end of the second act, we realize that he's been setting it up. But what we've really realized is the friendship has developed over doing the podcast
1: and maybe we don't need an audience. Well, you know what the thing is? I think we're more like uh, recreationists. Like, you know, those people who dress up and recreate yeah. medieval battles, like we're we're replicating, yeah. like, this is our pretend radio show. We're just essentially two guys yeah. who go to the shed and pretend to have a radio show. And now a television show. Because it's live, apparently, on that, the internet right now.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad that uh, this day of all days, we decided to add vision to our podcast. Because Sydney's in the grips of a heat wave. It was almost 40 degrees uh, yesterday. It's in the high 30s today. And I am sweating. I feel like... I feel like you know when Richard Nixon did his first televised debate and people like, mm, can't trust him, he's, he's sweating too much. People will be watching this and going, you know, Charlie seems a lot more trustworthy when you just hear him, but when I see him, I don't know. I don't trust him anymore.
1: Well, it's not just the fact that you had to change out of a grey t-shirt because you realised it would look black by the end of the podcast, <laughs> which is not something that we normally have to consider for the podcast. Secondly, you're up against a wall that very much looks like you could be inside a sauna. So it does kind of look like for our first live broadcast, (laughs) you're so relaxed, in the spirit of everyone relaxed, that you every week broadcast from a sauna. Well, I am a Clausen, a
0: Clausen Will, actual pronunciation, Clausen, and I figure I should get back to my Scandinavian roots by putting myself in an environment that makes me think of my ancestors. Whereas I am
1: an Australian. Oh, all right. All right, mate. All right, all right. So what I'm saying is, go back to where you came from, Charlie. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you bloody Clausen slash Clausens coming over here with your Scandinavian ways.
0: Well, it is funny because the pronunciation of my surname is actually Clausen. And like, I was always raised with a Clausen. All my cousins are Clausens. And the best that I can ascertain is that during the Second World War, everyone's like, you know what? Uh, Your name sounds a bit German Why don't you just like Soften it Anglicize it a bit So you're not going to get Any sideways glances And we're like Okay cool We'll keep that Well technically You guys were
1: Had an abbreviated name right You were the Hitler Clausens Yeah that's right But
0: They thought You know what We've got two tweaks
1: With the last name Well it was
0: actually My great grandfather Actually married a Russian woman So we are actually The Stalin Hitler (laughs) Clausens It was very problematic During
1: the second world war And post (laughs) See, we can't do anything about the pronunciation on the first two. You can keep the last one, but you have to change up how people say it. Now, Will, uh, the trilogy that
0: everyone uh, has been gripped by uh, has come to a close. The bin trilogy, Three Colors Bin, um, the Dark Knight Bins, uh, it has come to an end this week. I have a, a final and a, fi- a third and final update on uh, bin, the bin drama. And Mike Al has chipped in with the Benetto trilogy. Good.
1: Like that. Uh, I've been trying to think of a better one, but I can't so far. I'll get back to you if I can.
0: <laughs> well, you got it because we're going to get one for so Fosdike can do our artwork. I figure he's had the easiest two weeks ever. We've literally been giving him the title of the episode each week.
1: Uh, again, still don't have one though. Come on. Anyway, it'll just bother me for the rest of the broadcast. <laughs> what Other about to this point? We have literally been laden with bin puns. We've right. been bin laden, and I can't come up with one for this final. What about my cousin Binny? Oh yeah, my cousin Binny's not bad. It's not technically like I, I do feel like it we almost need like a like a prequel uh, sorry not a prequel, like a sequel name yeah, right. for the title though of this one. Well let's see,
0: Return of the Bin
1: Eye? No, it <laughs> doesn't
0: quite work. <laughs> the Dark Bin rises. All right, t- tell me tell me the story. Uh, okay, so we'll only knowing the the bare bones of the facts, your intuition was quite right. When I told you that my bin had gone missing, but a recycling bin, not a red bin, was floating around my place, and it was a bin from my neighbours down the road, you put forward the theory that maybe those neighbours had taken my bin. And it turns out you were correct. Because on bin night this week... I looked out and there i saw my bin the one with the chain around it the chain and the broken padlock hanging off it there was my bin so i kind of realized that although the bins don't look similar and their bin has their number written on in big white letters the letters of our the, the numbers of our our houses are quite similar. It would be easy if you just change one digit, you could easily make a mistake. And those, and those digits look quite similar. It's a seven and a one. Easy to mistake, especially when you're writing in shorthand. So um, they took the bin. But in the meantime, the council delivered my new bin, which I've got to say is a real upgrade. Like it's a big red bin. It's clean. It's brand new. It's got like good wheels and stuff. No one's drilled any holes in it. There's no
1: chains attached to it or anything. So I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know that I was. By want- the way, you've got to remember that you are the person who drilled the hole in it and attached the chain. <laughs> yeah, I know. So you but- can't really judge your old bin based on modifications to your old bin you yourself made. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, Will, is I like this bin a lot more. Some idiot hadn't vandalised it with a chain and a padlock. <laughs> right. Now, did this new bin cost you anything or does the council provide you for free a replacement bin? My bloody taxes pay for it, mate. My bloody council
0: taxes, I assume. They didn't charge me for it. They didn't ask for any credit card details or anything.
1: Well, see, now what this is making me think is I should be changing over my bins more regularly. Like, yeah, you should. I like the idea of having a new fancy bin. Like, you know, you're meant to change your like, pillows every three years or whatever and your mattress every 10 years and these sort of like inbuilt things. I like the idea of getting a fresh bin. Now, I know that's not environmentally responsible, throwing out an old bin that could still work. But the idea of just treating yourself a little, making Thursday night, bin night, just a little bit of a happier event when you forget to take the bins out and you have to get up in the middle of the night and drag them out quietly trying to not to wake up the neighbours. <laughs> Having a new bin in that situation as opposed to some rickety old thing you've been operating with for a decade would be a delight.
0: Now, Will, we have some feedback from people watching the live stream, some suggestions that we were too dumb to come up with. Uh, Charlie goes, bananas. <laughs> bin city. And Lord of the Bins, which kind of fits into the trilogy thing. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you the best thing, though, Will, about getting the extra bins. This is what it's like. Do you ever have, like, um, you've got your favorite sneakers, right? Your Converse or your Vans or whatever they are. And then you get a new pair of sneakers. And you're like, oh, well, these are sort of cleaner and fresher and nicer. I still like my old sneakers. So they're going to be my run-of-the-mill, just going down to the shop sneakers. But, you know, if I want to like treat myself or I'm going somewhere where maybe I should wear some fancier sneakers, I'll wear those ones. So even though they're both really sneakers, you have like a favorites. So that's what I'm doing with my bin now because the neighbors, they seem to have just adopted my bin. They took it back after bin night. They like the chain. Maybe they like the modifications, but they've left me their crappy bin. So their crappy bin is getting all the dog shit, it's getting the banana peels, like it's getting all the junk. I'm sticking stuff in there that probably doesn't fit that well, but I'll just cram it in because it's a crappy bin, I don't mind. Whereas my new fresh bin, I'm treating
1: with a bit of respect. I mean, I guess that is your life, and your sneakers are a really good example. <laughs> isn't, that because the, isn't that a damning statement? Yeah, I guess that is your life, Charlie. No, I mean, like, it's the life of these things. I mean, I know they're objects, and we're anthropomorphizing you know objects and they don't really have these emotions but if you look at the life of your sneakers you're absolutely right you bring your new pair in Mm. you know what your new pairs first like look at life is fancy events high class functions (laughs) you know days at something where you're dressed up you know accompanied by better other clothing You know, better pair of pants, better shirt, in good company. And thinking, this is a pretty good life, right? My life is most... And they're not even in the roster for day-to-day life. So at this stage, they're just going to functions. They're going to good things. They're living like the best sneaker life you can possibly have back in the cupboard. Don't have to work too hard. Then they get in your daily roster. Now, Mm -hmm. my daily sneakers, they're just... That's like coal mine work. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, I get up in the morning, I whack them on. Yeah, the dogs are going to go out. You know, got to go get the papers. I'm not putting on a clean pair of socks every time I put on those sneakers. Yeah. And also you know, like, so yeah, you know, all socks at all sometimes.
0: You, you also like once you wear sneakers into a certain point, like you don't even have to do the laces up. You literally just pull the tongue back and you can slide your foot in. That's when you know you've worn them in. So it's kind of like when you get to that, you get your new sneakers and you'll lace them up and stuff because you've got to wear them in. But once they're at the point where you can just slide them on without even looking, then they become your day-to-day sneakers. It's kind of like, you know, you, or if someone starts a relationship by having an affair with a married person, you're always like, this is fraught. Because if this person is willing to just go for whatever's new, one day you're going to be old news and they're
1: going to look for something new. Well, some, suddenly you realise your daily sneakers aren't getting invited to all the fancy events anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new pair of sneakers in town that's going to all those events and suddenly you have to do all the boring day-to-day shit and then suddenly, in my roster, it's when... It, you know when I know that a sneaker is on the way out of the roster is? Yeah. When I don't even bother sliding my entire foot in them if I have to just like take the dogs out or whatever, I fold the bit down at the back and slide into them oh, as if they're like my flip-flops God. or whatever. And that's when you know. The, when I can't even be bothered going to the effort of flipping the whole
0: foot in. The disrespect, Will. You've got to keep the magic alive. You've got to make your sneaker feel special. I mean, of course your relationship's falling apart when you just crunch its back and stomp out there, take the dogs out or something.
1: Jeez, no, I'm You've got to ease yourself in. Come on. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, and it's always that sad moment too when you bring out the bag to take them to St. Vinny's. They know too when you open the cupboard and you start going through and you're like, well, buddy, it's been real good. But, you know, I'm trying to get myself some new
1: high tops. <laughs> Well, I've got to say, though, that I've got to step in between that. Like, most of mine don't go to St. Vinny's because I only have a few pairs of shoes in the roster at all time. Like, right. I very much, when it comes to to sneakers, I have just, like, the smallest amount that you can kind of have to just, like, live, and then I try to wear them out and get new ones. That's, like, I don't like to have, like... I'm not, like, one of those MTV rap guys who's got, like, a company yeah. for all his sneakers. That's yeah. That's not my vibe on that. And so... um there's one more stage, and this is, I reckon, a fun stage. It's retirement, which is beach sneakers. Ah, yes. Like the ones, the ones that are in the cupboard purely for when it hits summer and I just need a pair to wear down to the beach so that I can like, throw on the sand and stuff. I don't reckon that's a bad stage of your life. Yeah. I reckon that's just an easy... Before you get sent off to the farm, you yeah. get a couple of years at the beach. Yeah,
0: if you're a sneaker, you know you're in trouble when your owner is willing to put a bare foot inside you. Not even going to give you the courtesy of sliding on a sock. He's just going to jam that fleshy, stinky foot. And he doesn't mind if it's summer and he's going to stomp down on the beach and he sweats all over you. Like that's when you know it's over. He has no respect for you. Last week he was crunching your back. Now he's just sticking his dirty, sweaty foot inside you.
1: Or the first night that you make them sleep outside the house. <laughs> The first night where they're in the corner and you're like, you know what? It's probably better I put them on the front doorstep rather than keep them inside the house. I also, um, with my running shoes, like
0: my gym shoes, I always keep an old pair aside. So like uh, every six months I say so you're meant to change your, your your running shoes. So I always like keep them aside with this this kind of fantasy, this misapprehension that, well, if I want to compete in a triathlon... <laughs> these would be great because of my old or do like a tough mudder event or something this would be great because they're old they've still got a bit of you know a few miles in them and I can chuck them on and I can go swimming in them or run through the mud Uh, I should just state I've never competed in a triathlon I've never done a tough mudder event in my life it's just in case I decide to I've got a
1: pair of old running shoes there I can throw in the mix well I mean I guess they're good in an emergency situation like you know it's just good to have a like a spare pair of runners like you know for you, know, I mean, look, you know, even post-apocalypse, right? Like, if the zombie invasion suddenly starts, you don't want to be like trying to run away from zombies in a not-worn-in pair of sneakers. The blisters are going to get you. Well, I had to. I had to. Uh, I was cleaning the house the other day, and I did
0: a big, proper, thorough clean. Like, got the bleach out, went to the bathroom, and when you're working with bleach, you've got to really because cons- you were disposing of a body. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you have to consider the clothing you wear, because if you splash some bleach on any, you know, on, on a black T-shirt or whatever, it's going to fucking ruin it. And so I had to, like Sophie's Choice, go through – because I don't really have any kind of junky clothes. I had to go through my wardrobe and select which T-shirt and which pants would be – not necessarily it's – it's not a suicide mission, but there is a chance that when I put you on, that you're not coming back from this. And it was it was tough because I had a couple of pairs of tracksuit pants that I really liked. You know, and I was like, well, I'm going to have to go for the older ones. He's had a good run. It's been three or four years. I've had some good times with you, but buddy, we're going into the bathtub with the bleach. I hope you're okay with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On the bleachers, we call that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I guess it's like, yeah, you're not necessarily going to die, but we can afford to lose you. Yeah. I wonder if uh,
0: anyone watching the live stream can tell uh, how hot I am right now. I have a pool of sweat in my collecting around my belly right now, which which is so wet that every time I move it, it's actually making a noise. I'm wondering if the microphone is picking it up. It's disgusting.
1: I can't hear. I can't hear any squelching from this Good. end. <laughs> Um so uh last time we were talking uh, mm. we were mentioning the faxes and the fact that we now have had to stop our um uh, idea that people will send us faxes into the show. Yeah. Um have you been back into the news agency since uh, you last updated? Have you like ventured back in for a yes. non-fax related um, you know, eventually. well,
0: well. Since the apology, like, so a few days after the the, the confrontation, I went back in, smoothed things over with some Patreon subscribed um, flowers. Thank you, everyone. Should thank you guys for all chipping in that. Uh, and I did stick my head in, but I stuck my head in just to make sure she wasn't getting any more phone calls. I didn't even, I mean, secretly, what I wanted to do was like, hopefully, there's another one or two faxes that are snuck through, but I didn't want to presume that. So I just stuck <laughs> my head in to say, hey just making sure everything's okay. And she was like, fine, yes. So no one no one has been hassling. I think Mike Hal did a pretty good job of scrubbing the internet.
1: <laughs> I know, which is handy to know that he can do that. I know. Exactly. Because I, exactly- I, I think that, you know, in case of us needing things scrubbed from the internet, it's good to know how easy Mike Hal found it to just scrub the entire history of us having a fax machine from the internet. It'll become one of those Mandela effect things where in years from now, we'll wonder... Whether we did indeed have a fax machine for a brief period of time or not. But it's just, it's more like the, uh, when George Lucas went back through all the Star Wars
0: and started just like changing shit and, you know, Gre- Greedo shot first and all that kind of. Re- like, Mike How should just go back through all our old episodes, just crib conversations we've had now, which are far more sophisticated and evolved than the first like 80 episodes, and just make us sound much better. Just do it
1: on the sly as well. <laughs> A little bit by a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed something uh, different about the earlier TOEFOP episodes. Firstly, they're a third as long as they used to be. (laughs) Um,
0: I was down at the beach yesterday because it was so hot. And here's the thing. Are young people getting younger or am I getting older? Well, isn't that obvious? You're getting older. Yeah, I know, but I've always thought of myself as kind of like a young old. Like, I don't think I... I don't I don't look middle-aged, even though I pretty much am. Do I? Do you I really l-
1: literally spent the last fortnight on this podcast talking about how you clean up after kids after they've had a big <laughs> night out. And how that you've been angry because some one of you (laughs) suspected a teenager had stolen your bin when I suggested the much more normal thing, which was probably one of your neighbors just confused your bin for their bin, which has proved to be correct. But you were pointing your finger at local teenagers so quickly and you're like, no, I'm hip. I'm hip. I'm I'm still hip and young and in with the kids. No, 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 no. you're not, Grandpa. No,
0: I'm not saying that I am hip. I know I have the spirit of an old man, but I don't necessarily... Like, when I was in my 20s, if you pointed out a 40-year-old to me, I'd be like, ugh, like, that that looks old. But I don't think...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I look like that, do I? (laughs) I mean, to them you do. Do I? Oh, shit. Yes. To them... But I'm wearing like a baseball cap and I've got a t-shirt on, like a wrestling t-shirt and stuff. Doesn't that make me cool? Okay, so firstly, you've got a cap that is of your favorite AFL football team, and you have a wrestling t-shirt on. So you're wearing the uniform that only a man in his mid-40s or a boy in his early teens wears. So you are either in their mind, a boy in their early teens, or a man in his mid-40s. And I've got to be honest with you, I know which one of those I would go with on a gut instinct. Yeah, you know, the beard and stuff like that? You look like a mid-40s guy.
0: I just, I, I've just got to the point now where I see teenagers, and I'm like, they look so young i mean especially at the beach too like i'm starting to get very conservative in my views on what is appropriate uh to wear at the beach like i'm like come on girls like really do you need to be showing so much buttock you're way too young for that like i mean how did your parents let you leave the house but then even driving so
1: i present the original question again are you getting older or are they getting younger i think you've just answered it by (laughs) what you've just said old man why don't these young women cover up their bodies why doesn't the man of their house, the <laughs> one who should be responsible for what women wear out of their house, tell them what they should wear?
0: With those glasses, that actually is a real great bit you've got going there. Like, old man, Charlie, done by Will. Yeah,
1: I'm old Charlie. <laughs> I have the same opinions I had when I was in my early 40s. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't want, uh, I
1: mean, okay, I'm going to embrace it. You're right. I mean, do I embrace... Well, don't grun- embrace it either. I don't think a guy in his early 40s should be embracing young women wearing less out of the house than they no, should. No, 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 I think no. you should just be fine with it. I wasn't embracing that. I said I should embrace my my grumpy status,
0: like embrace the curmudgeonly side of myself. Okay. Well, I mean-
1: it feels like you have already, Charlie. I, I don't want to... Spoiler alert, uh, because we've all heard how this ends, but I feel like you already have. I feel yeah. like you have... That's like Jermaine Greer going, I'm going to embrace saying provocative things to get attention. I actually just realized, you're right, like it's fully formed. I've, I've come out of the cocoon
0: as a grumpy old butterfly because where we live is a very popular <laughs> burger joint. Like it's a kind of bit of an institution in this area and in the hotter months, it's packed. Always kids and families lined up around the block and there's a lot of chatter and, and I can hear that chatter, Will. <laughs> I can hear it. That shop opens at midday and they don't close till like 10 o'clock at night and they don't take reservations. You just got to walk in, put your order and then hang out on the sidewalk till they call you for for your order. So people just loiter on the street, Will. They loiter. And last night, I could hear these guys having a conversation from my living room and I was this close to opening my window and sticking my head out and saying, shut the fuck up. Not everyone needs to hear about your plans for the weekend.
1: I mean, Your Honour, I rest my case, and I haven't even had to present the prosecution. This has been this has been the defence. Like seriously, I, you're an old man. You've turned into an old man. You're a yeah, grumpy old curmudgeon. You might as well get some comfortable shoes <laughs> and a cane and start just like leaning into it. But I complained. I complained about it to Jem,
0: and Jem was like, "Oh, come on! Like it's nice to have a bit of life around the place. Like you know, she she likes the the place feeling like it's alive and." And she was like, "You were probably like a young dickhead." And I defended that. I was like, "No way, no way was I ever like that. Where I was out on the street with my shirt off, strutting around, yelling loudly about what we're going to do on the weekend. I mean, you knew
1: me when I was in my twenties. Was I like that? I think we were louder than we remember being, though. I think that you know, like a lot of young people, or I think young people mostly just don't have a sense that you're sharing the world with people yet.
0: Yes, that's what you it's know. Like. So
1: whatever you're doing is just really important. And you kind of get it amongst the group of people. So you're very involved in that world, but you haven't come to appreciate that there's kind of a bigger, broader world that you're also sharing when you're out in public. So I don't think they're doing it like, hey, fuck everybody else in society. We don't care about you. It's more that you haven't got to the point where you start thinking about everybody else in society yet. You're still thinking about your smaller, you know, community, your friends. So I'm, I'm sure that when we were having a barbecue down at North Bondi and there was 40 of us all, you know, drinking and, you know, playing music and, you know, having loud conversations with each other. Uh, even, probably- you,
0: even you saying that makes me angry, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. It's too late. It's too loud. Just go home. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I also think there is an element in your 20s of bravado, like definitely amongst young men. Like these dudes, you know the type. They've just come up from the beach. They've probably been for a surf. They're shirtless, like they're walking around, showing off the V that they've got. And they're just, it is, a, it is a fair bit of peacocking. They're showing off for each other. They're showing off for any girls that might be there. There is a level of peacocking. Sure, maybe they're not aware of like, okay, you know, uh, of what the decorum of social situations is. But I do think there is a conscious effort to puff the chest out, be loud, be bombastic. You know, it's kind of like a masculine
1: thing to do. Yeah. Well, we are taught that, aren't we? That's like, you know, when people talk about that idea of, you know, that mask, it's not like kids are actually born with that. Although I think there probably is an element of that as well. You know, it's been, you know, it's kind of evolutionary biology or whatever, right? You know, that we've adapted because they are the roles that men were, you know, serving in society. We adapted to celebrate aspects of male behavior that seemed to fit those roles of being soldiers and leaders and the way that we saw those things and we celebrated aspects of like female development that seemed to fit the roles that women had in society and now we're at that point where you know we're having a broader conversation about not gender defining those roles I think one of the things that people find so confronting is that idea of like well you know boys will be boys how that used to be just there's such a common thing, you know, in people going, well, that's, you know, that's just boys being boys. Whereas now there's, you know, some arguments around the concept of going, well, what's the down damage? What's the downside? Like, because I know as a teenager growing up around that, you were sometimes the person who was, you know, being that sort of, you know, loud, alpha, young, male person. But so often that aspect of behavior was terrifying to me and I felt Mm. completely ostracized from and when I was around it. Like, I hated that a lot of the time you were forced into these, you know, the conversations you would have with your mates and stuff when you were 15, that you just, you knew at the time, it was what everyone was talking about, but you kind of still had a sense at the time that the things you were saying and the way you were framing them just didn't feel,
0: Mm. like it was
1: almost like you were pretending. You were trying on what it meant to be a man and all the messages that you got from society about what that meant, you know, were around these defined ways of acting and behaving. And I still think there's a remnant of that, which is that, you know, the loud shirtless, you know, gym junkie, peacocking, everything I say is important man, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I mean, my memory of it is like, you're trying stuff on, like you're you're pushing the boundaries. Like that's why that kind of South Park sort of kind of outrageousness and, you know, everything is open for mocking and, you know, if, you, if you're if you sensitive, then that's your issue and all that kind of stuff. I think there is, that was just the way it was back in the, you know, the 90s when I was growing up is like you just sort of had to put your armor on and like even into my 20s, like when I sort of moved away from the guys I hang out with school with and made new friends outside of school at university and stuff, even amongst those guys who were a bit more kind of like, I guess, you know, arts-minded or a bit more creative. There was still, within that kind of community, there was still alpha males. Like, it didn't matter that, you know, my high school was more of a kind of sports-focused environment. If you get a group of guys together, there was always like that alpha structure where it's like the bullying. And we do it to each other and stuff. And it's it's, it's interesting because I just started reading Bob Murphy's uh, book, AFL footballer Bob Murphy, Bob. Um, and he talks a lot about, watching the change happen. So he started, I think, was in the late 90s when he got drafted and he only retired a couple of years ago and watching the change in attitudes happen with the way clubs are run and players are treated because, you know, that's an intensely masculine environment, young men in an intensely competitive combative field. And he talks about, like, when he started, it wasn't unusual to see, like, punch-ons at training. Like, people would get so fired up and, you know, so competitive. But that's just not the case anymore like players now are taught or at least uh, maybe they're taught at school to be much more open about expressing their feelings or their emotions in other ways which is awesome like you know it, it doesn't help a curmudgeonly old 41 year old <laughs> like me who has to yell out a window
1: but i think it's great i mean i'm all for that discussion yeah i, I agree but i guess what you're experiencing outside your window is some of the last remnants of some of the You know what? Some of the necessary aspects for our survival as human beings. You can understand why being a strong, powerful man, you know, a loud person, these sort of things will have evolutionary, you know, and you see a lot of that celebrated. And even still in our society, that idea of that sort of, you know, loud, confident, fit, powerful, strong, domineering man is still something that is to be admired and pursued in a whole bunch of sort of industries but what we're coming to find out is that the people where we kind of uniformly thought they were that whether they be you know professional athletes or soldiers or whatever are actually human beings who have a myriad of you know influences and thoughts and you know uh, ways of looking at the world and sometimes that uniformly toxic loud masculine attitude of what you have to be has not been helpful to them
0: yeah and I guess it's also that thing of You know, you don't want to suppress, like, men have testosterone. Like, there is an impulse, I think, uh, to express themselves, you know, physically and bombastically. It's just about where that happens. And I don't want to paint it like it's just guys. Like, there are girls on the street outside this bloody burger shop who are just as annoying and loud and peacocky as well. It's more of that, it's more of a, I think you're right, it's more of a youth thing. It's more of a kind of just like, the world's a party you know, especially when you've just left when you've just left high school, you don't have anywhere to be. like you can here's the thing. when you leave high school and you're out in the world for the first time, you can pick up anywhere. Like you can meet someone anywhere. Like everywhere you go is an opportunity to attract a potential partner, a guy or girl, like the beach, the cinema, I mean, of course, bars and all that kind of stuff. So, You've always got to have a little bit of salesmanship or saleswomanship going on because you never know who
1: might catch you. That's what I think it is. Well, there is that sort of element of you can still walk the streets and run into other groups of young people and then suddenly you're at something. Yeah. There's a point <laughs> where that... Right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, particularly like in the beachside suburbs, when in that year between sort of year 12 and, you know, university or work for people and whatever, there's a lot of just walking around from one thing to the other and then just kind of and there's groups of people that age and I guess that's the appeal of like something like a schoolies on the Gold Coast or something like that is you're just groups of random people of the same age Mm. who've converged to the same place for essentially the same purposes yeah so It's kind of like the Olympics, but without having to do all the sports and stuff. You're just meeting other people from other countries who have the same interests and drives as you. And then there's an opportunity just to, like, oh, we're in a corner. You're in a corner. Who are you? Do you want to get a kebab? Let's get married. Yeah. I mean, I
0: guess as you get older, it becomes less and less common. The only, I think, the only similar circumstances is when you're at a music festival. Like, especially like once you tip over 30, like the only. Chance you get to be wandering around with a big group of people and meet some strangers and hey why don't we hang out and you know blah 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 is a music festival because it's sanctioned and you're allowed and you know that you'll won't see them again after you might spend three days together but you'll never have to speak to them again after that in your twenties you don't give a shit about well this person might turn out to be annoying but when you get a bit older you're like I'm gonna have the same I'm gonna approach it with the same spirit of spontaneity but knowing that this will be over in three days.
1: I mean, I guess it is a bit of the same. Like, I wonder if it like that's that it is at all festivals though. Like, I wonder if yeah. it, you know, say at the Writers' Festival. <laughs> like, if you go to like the Adelaide Writers' Festival for three days, is that sort of a a pickup? You know, you're going from the you know Tim Winton, you know, in conversation to like a panel of you know post feminist authors yeah. panel, and you yeah you know, start chatting to somebody you know along the way. Do you reckon those sort of things are the yeah. sort of more? The old person version,
0: yeah. I mean, I go to a lot of film festivals, and that's definitely what happens. Especially if you're in a foreign country or like a, a city that you haven't been to before, because you're all there for the same reason. You've all, you know, in the same industry or whatever, and so you will meet someone who invites you to see a talk on something, and then there's always drinks or dinners or events. So, yeah, that's definitely the kind of more. Uh, I was going to say more alt, but. That word has been co-opted lately. It's not It's not the alt version. It's more the artistic version
1: of that experience. What I'm saying is that it is the alt version, and I'm also saying it's right. <laughs> wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> this is why we've decided to do a live stream, because yeah. Charlie wants to come out as an alt-right commentator. Yeah, so I can do, what is it, the, the okay sign? Yeah, everything's A-okay, everybody.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean, hell how cynical do you think, because you know a lot of these guys, like you Gavin McGinnis and these sort of people, um, are sort of failed ex-stand-up comedians. And so there's a part of me that thinks, how how lucrative and how hard do you think it would be if if you just decided one day to completely and utterly cynically go, oh, we're going to turn TOFOP into an alt-right podcast? Like... Uh, Do you think that we could easily make the transition? Like, you know, we just like gradually start introducing ideas. And then do you think that people would ever think it wasn't a joke? Or would it just be like people would assume that it was a joke? Or could we literally transform this into an alt-right podcast? Um,
0: I think it would depend on... I think it would be harder for you. Because you have a career outside (laughs) of TOFOP in which your views are quite known quite well. I'm a bit more of a. My views on things are probably a bit more of a mystery, so it might be a thing maybe where I start introducing some hard right views, just like Superman, and you don't dissuade or disagree. So I think maybe that's how that's the that would be the most credible way if we're wanting to convince people. Is I would have to be the guy who kind of like when we do the ad reads, I have to be the guy who leads it, and you have to just like not along,
1: not along. And then I think I oh. <laughs> Maybe that's how it starts. Yeah. We get offered a very lucrative sponsorship from the alt-right. Yeah, So we have to every week read these ad reads for the alt-right. And we're like, we really shouldn't do it. But we're like, it's so much money. And if they're spending that money on us, it means that it's the money they don't have for other things. So we're like, you know what, we'll take the money. And you start getting really convinced by the alt-right ideas.
0: Well, I mean, I, there is a podcast I listen to that, It hasn't like pivoted hard right, but over the years of listening to it, like I've started to understand the views of the hosts more and more, and there's definitely like a super conservative, you know, attitude towards it, like a tough stance on immigration and a suspicion about Me Too and all this and stuff that, you know, I don't necessarily have the same views on, but it was a drip fed over time. You're talking
1: about the dollop, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
0: the, the thing about the alt-right commentators or even you know conservative commentators like Sky News in Australia or Fox News in, in America, I was watching um, uh, Daisy Cousins do a rant the other day and it was so cartoonish. It was so like over the top. I, I think that maybe we could also take that approach as well where if we went on a rant, like a comedic rant about something, but the messages, messaging in it was like a hard-right message, It's not going to look that dissimilar. And people may only, for a live stream, for instance, take that out of context and and put it out there. So maybe the people who listen to the show wouldn't buy it. But, you know, I'm sure we could get on like Stormfront or a few of those websites and they'd share
1: the image, they'd share the video around or the clip around. You know what? That actually probably could happen. That's the way that it would actually happen, right? Something out of context. So I'm playing a character. This this makes... Yeah, but this makes... Yeah, exactly. We're doing a bit and then they just take the one bit out and it gets spread around because I did have... I got invited to an atheist convention uh, a few years ago and it was because they had found one clip of like a bit I used to do about intelligent design and basically the bit was really just going through the human body and pointing out all the things that if they were truly intelligently designed, what was wrong with them? That was the kind of premise of the bit, right? But... they had sort of taken it out and it had been spread around as this like, yeah, great takedown of organised religion and like, you know, of, you know, and, but really, that's not really my stick, right? Mm. Like, it was just a bit about that. The majority of the rest of my act isn't really about that or isn't even really that direct or, or forceful. So, it could all you need is just that one clip it doesn't have to be the rest you just need to make one thing that they could take out of context share around on their reddit boards and then, and then become me, sort of like invite me yeah, to exactly. open for gavin mcginnis <laughs> yeah exactly it's you gavin mcginnis milo yiannopoulos and pepe the frog <laughs> on, on a new podcast um uh, michael are people uh, wanting to pose questions
0: to us i guess we should make use of the format while we're at it um just to let people know who are watching, uh, we have the ability to comment on videos, websites, anything like that. So if there's, you know, if you want us to like take a look at a trailer for something and give our views on it, that's something that we can do in this live stream. While we're waiting, why don't I read the last uh, two faxes that we receive? Will? The last, the very last okay, segment of everyone good. reads fact. I mean, when I say the last, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Um, but for now, the very, the very last read facts. Okay. This is from Gurvanch uh who is known as Guru. Hey, fellas. I thought I would write this like a child in year four, since Charlie finds it difficult to read cursive. So he's written in block letters, which is very good. Hope you are both well, and thank you for the many years of laughs and interesting conversation. I read recently that most people stop discovering new genres of bands of music around the age of 32. Having recently had my 32nd birthday, this freaked me out a little. I have noticed that this year I went to less gigs and festivals and I really found the musician, the music on triple J to be garbage. (laughs) You're fucking preaching to the choir. I I make that comment about three times a week. What is this rubbish? It's not what triple J used to be like. (laughs) I know you both love Get me my Crocs, Gemma (laughs) I know you both love music and would love to get your take on this I also totally agree with you, Ari The Defiant Ones I watched that whole series twice It's amazing Jimmy Iovine seems to be responsible for most of the music I've enjoyed in the last 20 years Anyway, enough rambling Cheers for everything, Guru P.S. I sent this via fax an old, like a proper actual fax machine handwritten
1: and uh, well you know that's right because the era of the facts was the time for the guru so
0: (laughs) pps would you rather shit every time you come (laughs) oh god it done so well and then we go back to old school would you rather shit every time you come or have amazing orgasms but not shit for a week uh orgasms are no shit for me i mean yes that's two wins for me (laughs) uh what are your what are your views on music will did you stop listening to
1: new music after the age of 32 not new music but music by new mus- musicians is is becoming so basically I'm, i still listen to a lot of new music but mostly the new music is by artists that mm. i already know who've released new music so you know like you know the new run the jewels album or the new beck album or the new whatever like the new eminem album that i've been listening to a lot but they're all by artists that i sort of yeah new previously.
0: yeah, I listened i'm I'm definitely stuck in my era. What I try and do is uh, once a week, I'll let Spotify play me some new music because they do their new release radar list. But it's kind of pointless because I'm normally at the gym or something when I'm listening to it. and so I if I hear a song I like, it just, it's just gone. Like I don't know who the band is. I don't know how to find more from them. it just it's gone, and my attention span is so quick that's gone. So I do try and listen to new music, but so much of it is shit. It's like that episode we did about who are the rock bands of today and the closest we could come was 21 pilots who aren't even a
1: fucking rock band. Um, So I must admit that what I do do on a Saturday morning sometimes is watch Rage on the ABC. And so I kind of feel like I'm – like when you hear of a band like uh, Greta Von Fleet, right? Do you know who they are? No. I think that's what they're called. Anyway, they're some new band. They're essentially America's Wolf Mother. Okay. They're like a band that like heard some Led Zeppelin 70s. albums and yeah, decided right. to like write some new Led Zeppelin songs. And they like dress like they're in Tamer in and they play like they're in Led Zeppelin, basically. And so they're one of those really horribly divisive bands and they got this like horrible pitchfork review for their new album during the week, which was like you know when like there's actually a really brilliant horrible review where mm. you just in, you're like I'm never going to listen to that album, but gee I, I'm glad they put out that album just so that somebody could write this review and I could read this review.
0: I think the Hall of Fame for that was when Jet released their second album and the NME review was just a gif of a chimp drinking its own piss. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, our Uh, final uh, facts ever, potentially, is from Andy. Uh, To Colin Fop, here's another tantalizing Toe Fop tidbit. I've got an idea, mainly for you it sounds like. Stop freezing your uh, compostable rubbish, Will, and get a frigging compost bin. I can only imagine your bin on Thursday night full of rubbish floating in freshly freshly defrosted food scraps when you could be adding these to your garden and and getting nature to do the work for you. You must do a very OCD washout of your bin each Friday morning. I can only hope you're recycling as much as possible. Do you even have a recycling bin? You lefty champagne-sipping limousine riding elitist prick. You too, Charlie. And then he sent us a link for compost bins with the price highlighted. I'm pretty sure you could afford a few of
1: these, Will. And we all know you, you have a garden. Uh, I do have a garden. The problem with the compost bin, I've explored it previously, is just my never being in the same place constantly. So your compost bin needs a small amount of upkeep and you being, you know, around and in the same place and it just I have a recycling bin, I have two, I think I mentioned that last time. I'm a All big right. recycler. Andy signs off, keep up the good work. Love listening to your rantings for free. Well, uh, hopefully. But the dog poo, that doesn't solve the dog poo issue regardless. The dog poo. Can't you
0: put dog poo in recycling?
1: Uh, uh, in compost? In compost bin? Yeah.
0: Can you really? Let's manure. Oh,
1: God, that, that feels a little gross though, doesn't it? It feels no. like, anyway. All right, maybe not. Okay, I'm going to read you just quickly, Charlie. Yeah. Um, this is this is just from the Pitchfork review of Greta uh, Van Fleet. Sorry, not Von Fleet. See, this is how much <laughs> I knew about them. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Greta Van Fleet sound like they did weed exactly once, <laughs> called the cops and tried to record a Led Zeppelin album before they arrested themselves. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I want to listen to like, them. I mean, as an opening line, <laughs> did weed once, called the cops and tried to record a Led Zeppelin <laughs> album before they arrested themselves.
0: <laughs> uh okay michael's got some um uh, questions from the live stream audience you once tried to cast a gritty reboot of the muppet movie with a human cast what human movie would you try to reboot with a muppet cast oh that's a good question human movie with a muppet cast
1: a star is born oh uh, yeah because you saw that trailer uh, well, the thing about A Star Is Born is that um, oh, is there a Muppets? Have you not seen that A Star Is Born thing? No, I've not oh, seen it. Perfect, Michael.
0: Can you bring up the uh, the Muppets? Uh, uh, it's a Kermit and Miss Piggy Star Is Born. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, have you have already. Seen it? It's Damn. fucking. Oh, I was so it, impressed by
1: that idea too. I was going to be like, "That's a really good idea." Well, it turns out it is, and someone else has already had it.
0: It came out literally like the day after the trailer hit the internet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, um, while, right, wh- while,
0: he, while he's looking at Michael's looking up that trailer Why don't we take a second question um, Whatever happened with the friend Drinking the water out of a vase At Will's Hollywood apartment well, that friend I can't was, remember
1: That friend was Justin I think, Hamilton I think, Yeah I think eventually we told him Didn't we I can't remember uh, It was I your remember. story
0: I, was, I wasn't there for it You told me about it Oh did I
1: Yeah, yeah. see again
0: I don't, I don't remember I don't remember <laughs> I There's mean, a lot what, of my life I don't remember. All right. What would be a good end to that story then? He, because uh, uh, I, well, mm. I, I remember, because I did drink out of that um, mm. glass myself. And it didn't have a beveled edge because it was a vase, not a glass. So to drink out of it was actually quite fraught because you're putting your lips against this sharp glass edge. So it would have been fantastic if you were like sniggering to yourself, like, haha, let's not tell him about the vase. And then one day he cuts his fucking mouth open, Joker style. Gives himself like, what's it called? The Manchurian smile or whatever
1: it's called. Yeah, turned to me and said, want to know how I got these scars? (laughs) Yeah, my fucking friend gave me a vase instead of a glass. No, he now only drinks out of vases. Yeah. So if he goes to a bar or whatever, he has to go via a florist first. Okay, so let's, uh, you've got that
0: video there? Yeah, how how does this work? I don't know. If we play it. Mike Hal, should we play this at the same time? Is that the best way? How will people watch us watch this? Hang on. Go now. Go now? Okay. Okay. All right. right. Shit. Hello, everyone. Mike Hal here. While this was a fun bit for the video stream, it does not translate well to audio only. I will spare you roughly three minutes of Will and Charlie alternating between laughter and dead silence. We will pick it back up with the post-viewing commentary.
1: Um, They should make that. I'm into that. I'm into that being the next version of both the Muppet movies and the next remake of A Star is Born. Yeah. I mean, A Star is Born has already established itself as one of those movies that they can be re- remade every... Ge- so, like, that should be the next Muppets movies. I, I I was getting disappointed by the end of that clip that it wasn't a real movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> have, you, I have, have you
0: seen A Star Is Born, the new
1: one? No, I haven't
0: seen it. I don't think I've seen any of the uh, Star Is Born well I, well, I hadn't seen any of them either. I didn't even really know what the story was. Um, it's good. It's really good. But it's funny. I Speaking of, like, snarky reviews on Triple J, uh, formerly Great Station Triple J, <laughs> They were reviewing it and it was like a fairly snarky, like, oh. So this is what they think romance is. Because I was like, I got quite swept up in the story. It's Like, oh, he loves her and she loves him and talent and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And all this kind of stuff. Like it is definitely like a crowd pleaser, but it's really well made. Well, really well directed. But it's going to appeal to a certain demographic. And I think that demographic are not like millennials. Like I think it might just be a little too cheesy. I think it's a film that will develop backlash quite quickly because it does really play
1: to all those old school romantic tropes yeah look there's a certain generation who seem to be really really enjoying the film i just can't think of i just can't think that that's something that i will take any time out of my life to watch a star is born there's just nothing about it that like people are like oh, lady Gaga's really good and oh bradley cooper's amazing and again i realized that those two people while they are excellently talented and whatever and I've enjoyed them doing things I don't particularly care one way or the other If I, I assume they're both good I don't need to see any evidence of it
0: yeah I mean to be honest I didn't pay to see it <laughs> I was invited to a free screening and that's probably the only reason I went but I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it he's actually for a guy who started his career as the douche like that's how we would get cast and things you know because he, he's got that douchey kind of face like He's actually a very talented actor and it's really kind of annoying. I think he also is one of those guys who like speaks like three languages and stuff. And as a director, like he's done an amazing job and he does all the music himself. He taught himself guitar and he creates this character that is very un-Bradley Cooper. It's not
1: like you're watching Bradley Cooper. I mean, it's weird, Charlie, uh, that originally he was just kind of this bland douchey guy, and now suddenly he can speak a bunch of languages and he can play the guitar and teach himself how to do it. It's almost like he's discovered some sort of pill you can take to give yourself (laughs) a range of abilities you didn't have before. Some might say a limitless (laughs) supply. I think maybe he's been method acting in the movie Limitless. I believe that they've actually stumbled upon that limitless technology during the making of that film and subsequent series. So, I never saw the TV series. Was, that, was he involved in that as well? Yeah, he was a recurring but very irregular character. I so think he, he was like the EP of the TV series and he played like a, a, a character, but not in it that often. How do
0: you expand on the limitless universe? Like, if, if he's a character that's still in it, are there more limitless people? Are there limitless, limitless, limitless people? Well,
1: as much as the, it's, it's just a medication that you take right? Like it's a pill, the limitless pill. So it does eventually kill you. Spoilers, the limitless pill, if you don't have the, you know, the right balance and what, all these sort of things. So there's not a limitless amount of people, but there are well, certainly you, a bunch of people in society. Do think that
0: they should uh, allow pill testing for limitless pills uh, to stop all these unnecessary deaths from people trying limitless?
1: Yeah. A limitless litmus test. <laughs> it's also a very good vocal warm up, So it's, it, it works both ways as far as I'm concerned. Um, he is a politician now. He's a limitless guy. So he's ah, right. used his limitless power to you know, get some uh, limited power. Anyway, the point yeah, being, there's a sense. new limited guy on the block. Uh, it's on Netflix or Stan or something now, Limitless. I would recommend checking it out for people who never watch the TV series Limitless. It's pretty good. Oh, shit, sorry. I, I saw you take the mic out. I thought, oh, Will's going to start freestyling here. It's like, do some crowd work. Hey, have you ever noticed... <laughs> What is it with the airplane food? Yeah, I have uh, limitless poss- possibilities with this microphone, but I've gone back to in the stand. Thank you.
0: Uh, Michael. are there any more questions? We probably should uh, wind this up soon. Um,
1: but are there any more questions yeah, from, been... from, from listeners? I assume we're still going out. I mean, that'd be good just to know if we're still actually broadcasting. I mean, I'm amazed if this has
0: gone off without a hitch. Okay, this is a good time to roll out. All right, what is, is okay. that like? Is that like Optimus Prime style rollout? Rollout. Roll out. Yeah, I feel he's what
1: he's saying to us is everybody stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he's saying to us is everybody who is watching this has given up on this. They, they've decided they prefer it when they can't see our faces and they are fucked off. So we are now, as you said at the start, just two guys talking to each other and nobody else. <laughs>
0: If you'd like to see uh, more, if you'd like to get your friends to see more live streams, because to see, to see this, you must already be on Patreon. But why don't you tell other listeners to the, of the show to sign up to the Patreon? Um, this went pretty well. I think we can do this again, maybe make it a regular feature uh, as something for our Patreon subscribers. Um, uh, so you can't really encourage people. I mean, if the people who are on this are already Patreon
1: subscribers. It seems weird to encourage them to sign up for Patreon. What's the other thing we say? I mean, normally I plug my shows, but even that. I mean, you know, Bendy going packing them next weekend, and I mean, you, know, uh, well, you know, you know. I uh, assume we're, re- in- we're releasing the audio of this anyway, so
0: let me just do the Patreon plug for people who haven't been part of the live. Oh stream. yes, good but point. People, people listening who haven't been part of the live stream, boy, you missed out on Will and I silently watching <laughs> a Muppets trailer. Wow, that was value for money. You've missed seeing me sweat through an entire T-shirt. Thank God I switched to a black one because this thing is absolutely soaking wet. Um, But yes, if you'd like to support the show, Patreon is the best way to do that. We do have sponsors, but that only covers sort of minimum costs. We're looking to... Find ways to keep this this truck rolling, and and Patreon at the moment seems to be the best way. So if you have some money to spare and you like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash TOFOP. There's not just the live stream up there. There's a bunch of other videos, Q&As we've done. There's artwork. There's comic strips. There's behind-the-scenes photos. I've opened the whole thing up. You can access the TOFOP 100 book, which is a transcription of the live show we did, uh, transcribed by a stenographer, um, there's a bunch of stuff there worth checking out, but you can also find us on Twitter, on Facebook, get
1: involved in the discussion. And Will, I believe you have some live shows coming up. I, I do, yeah. Bendigo and packing them this weekend and then uh, Noosa and uh, Townsville the weekend after. And uh, the other thing I would say is uh, December 7th to 15th, Sydney Comedy Store, work in progress shows. Um, I'm Later on today, I'm going to sit down and uh, try to start thinking about what next year's show is going to be about. And then I'm going to try some stuff about a month from now at the Sydney Comedy Store. Um, so come along and see the first uh, first bit of that. Oh, and uh, Fofop. Uh, Fofop was back, back for a couple baby. of episodes this week. Hasn't been uh, around since April, but there's a couple of new Fofop episodes. So there's a Dave Anthony, uh, which does get very depressing about the, you know impending you know doom that it's heading towards us you know in relation to america and the climate but it's still some there's some good ideas in there as well uh the idea of a special celebrity in netflix is one of the things that i've said on the podcast where now that i've said it i can't get it out of my head and i really want it to actually happen and uh gareth reynolds on the other one which is just uh, gareth is being his usual brilliance but there is a rant he does where he's trying to sort of lure me into Scientology anyway, whatever I won't give it away but it is just one of the funniest things that I've ever heard in my life so two new faux fop episodes you can check those out uh, up at the moment okay well I'm Charlie Clawson I'm Will Anderson
0: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates I mean, if you want, it's up to you.